few years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to this week's episode of the It's You Taz World Podcast. Tom Hackett alongside Steve Bottle. Check Steve out at sbottle247, myself at Tom Can't Hackett. is where you can find Steve's work, mine at kslsports.com. Apologies for the beep in the back. I'll turn my phone to silent. I am that psycho. Now, anyway, Subaru is our sponsor at 1207 South Main Street, Salt Lake City. They're after your car. They want to buy your used car. They don't care if you buy one of their cars in return. They just want the inventory. They need all the help they can get. They, they're in uh, hot demand right now. Their cars are a hot, hot, sizzling hot commodity, despite the weather outdoors being very, very chilly. A lot of people out there wanting Nate Wade Subaru vehicles. So if you're interested in selling them one of yours, go down, check them out, say good day, or just head to natewade.com. Their website, by the way, really good, really, really good. Um, you can do just about everything on the website if you live a fair ways away from the dealership. So nateway.com is potentially your answer. Steve, my man, what's cracker-lacking? You what are... up, Tommy? <laughs> uh, Utah's good, man. Utah's really, really good. Yeah. Wasn't that like that game was, uh, man, that game was awesome. Um, I know you said it was going to be a little bit too cold for you to be there, but Tom, you know, you missed a good one, man. That was <sighs> Man, that was a good one. <laughs> I bet it was. I, I, I bet the, the atmosphere was electric. So, so I actually haven't been to a game this year. I, I, I've watched all the games from home. We, we tried to go to one of the games earlier in the year. It didn't work out. We ended up getting rained on. It was, yeah, we had our son. Like, that, that's yeah. why I'm going. Like, I, I want to go to take Freddie to show him what Rice Eccles Stadium's all about. But, but I'm also happy watching it from home because then I can hang out with him. We can watch football together, and that's kind of that's right. kind of cute. You know, I like that. That's I'm into that. So, but yeah, well, yeah, Steve, was the was that as good of an atmosphere as you've ever experienced? Yeah, quite some time, man. That place that was the loudest. So I wasn't here for um, I wasn't here in 2008 when like Utah and TCU Utah had their first blackout game. Like a lot of people talk about that game is being the loudest that they've ever heard Rice-Eccles Stadium. But for me and for a lot of people that were at that game too, um, called that game the loudest that they've ever heard Rice-Eccles Stadium when Britton Covey returned that punt return for a touchdown. Um, the just And even from the beginning, before kickoff, like people were in their seats. You know, the must was full to the top. Like it was packed. Uh, there was, you know, just a loud commotion, uh, loud, um, 
just it was it was a it was a great atmosphere. Uh, it was really really impressive. The the fans certainly showed up and they made a big difference in that game, I believe. And um, it was it was awesome to see that, especially you know prime time. Like every time ABC cut to the crowd, like the crowd was just going crazy. Um, I think the crowd did uh did, did just an incredible job throughout the game and had a had a had an excellent showing you know on primetime television it was it was awesome yeah, I, saw, I saw something here we go um so Oregon Utah was the most watched Pac-12 regular season conference game in 7 years Steve yeah that's it, remarkable 4.8 million people that tuned into that game on ABC um <laughs> it, it won the night in primetime for I mean, some people may not understand that, but it's it's got to do with television ratings and the fact that they were able to win prime time with Oregon Utah being the show. I mean that 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 tells you a lot about about the game and the the attention it, it received. And uh, I yeah, I, oh, it's hard for me to put into words, Steve. I had I, I had just had so many uh, thoughts throughout the course of the game. I, I sat down, I watched. I watched the game as intently as I have all, all year long. Um, I, I always watch Utah games, but you know there are games, right, where you play. Oh yeah, and you're like kind of in and out. You're like, oh, I got to go. You know, Freddie's crying. Let's take yeah, yeah. a ten minute. Break. You know that sort of thing. I, I did not do that. I sat down. I, I paid very close attention to every snap that was going down and 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 how it was unfolding, and and I just couldn't quite. Like, I thought Utah was going to win. I thought Utah was the better team, to be honest. I did not think mm-hmm. Oregon was the number third team in the country, but I did not envision that sort of a dominant performance by Utah. I mean, they, they manhandled Oregon more than more than I could have ever imagined, Steve. I mean, like, and, yeah. and, then, and then the transformation of this football team from where it was at the start of the year to where we are now, uh, it just to be perfectly frank, it doesn't make a ton of sense. <laughs> I, I don't know if I ha- yeah. have an answer yeah. to you. Like, like, how do you explain no. that to somebody? This was a bad football team at the start of the year. And this is maybe outside of Georgia and Alabama and maybe Cincinnati, Ohio State, outside of maybe those four teams. This is maybe the most informed team in the entire country. Yeah. Dude, it, it's wild. Like, if we went back to, you know, that San Diego State, after that San Diego State game, like, so they make the, the change at quarterback and like they're one and two, you know, that like ESPN win probability thing yeah. that fluctuates throughout the game. I'm pretty sure if there was like a season long, like tracker of that, you know, it's probably that, that win probability thing is probably like negative, like 60, 70, like it's just, it's not good. Right. Uh, um, at that point in the season, um, and then, you know, so they get the win against Washington State. It's an ugly win. Like, man, hold on to your butts. Like, uh, just uh, just a, a tough, gritty win. And then the tragedy, right? Um, and I think a lot of people um, kind of like, man, with everything that this team has been through, I think everybody just kind of like let go and let go of their like frustrations and just said like, you know, this, this season, whatever comes like it's where we're going to support this team, no matter what. And I think that as much as anything else, and, you know, whether it be fans, whether it be 
coaches, players, whatever. I think that really kind of took some pressure off of the team. I think Cameron rising, you know, his, his just personality, his confidence, we've talked about it time and time again, right? Like he is just a fountain of swagger. And I think that combined with just, you know, that time that they got to just kind of decompress um, after that bye week uh, was, was huge for this team. Um, I think Cam was uh, the, the ideal person to kind of rally the troops um, and to rally this team and to get them pointed in the right direction, get them trending in the right direction. And, you know, he deserves just a ton of credit for every, every good thing that's come from this, this season. And I think everybody's contributed, you know, to their turnaround, but I think, you know, Cam, obviously, like we've said time and time again, over the last few weeks, like he's been instrumental in this whole thing. And, uh, but yeah, man, like it's, we went back to, to week four and that bye week like, man, it's, I don't think anybody could have predicted this playing out the way that it has. There's no, yeah, there's no chance. I mean, and I'm like, I guess there are days I'm pretty pessimistic. There are days I'm also somewhat optimistic about, you know, things. And, and I, I, I just looked, I just, because we spoke all year prior to the season, Steve, about this team and, yeah. and how it's, destined to be good and you know charlie brewer cam rising whoever it is it doesn't matter you know, it's going to be a good football team yep. and then they came out there was they weren't good uh, there's just no other way to say it they were bad they, the offensive yep. line was 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 getting bullied and um i think most people that listen to this podcast know at this point my stance on how important and pivotal an offensive line is to the success of a football team specifically and obviously on the offensive side and and they were horrible, and and and, uh, and they uh, defensively they they weren't even that great either, and and that's right. strange because Utah's that's kind of their brand, but that's what they've been known for for years. And you know, I think Steve, uh, the more I think about it, um, I think if you were to ask every player on the football team, every coach on the football team, you know how this has all come to be, I think there are a couple of things that you mentioned um, that that you can point to, and you can say, look. Um, Cameron Rising has obviously played a big role. The the tragic murder of Aaron Lowe, and and how that united in such a horrific manner that this group of people um, that obviously has played some sort of a role in in all of this. Um, and then there are probably a handful of other events that we might not know about that have also contributed. But but I also think if you spoke to every single player and every single coach, they, they would also tell us, and I shouldn't speak for them, but this is just a guess of mine, that they wouldn't have an answer. They, could, they, they wouldn't know like how and why they're playing at the level they are when they yeah. were playing at a pretty poor level for their standards anyway at the start of the year. I, I don't know if you can explain that. I, I don't know if it's humanly possible to say this is – these are the reasons why we are where we are today. I just, yeah. because the t- I've never, I've never seen it, Steve. I've never seen this drastic of a turnaround. I'm not exaggerating. I'm, sport has been a part of my life for 29 years, my entire existence. And I paid pretty close attention to a number of different sports and a number of different teams across just about every corner of the globe. And I cannot remember a team that has looked as bad as Utah did at the start of the year 
and as good as they did. I, I, I cannot think of a team. It doesn't make sense, Steve, but it is nothing short of beautiful. It, re- it is no. sensational to watch. And, and, and it's just, it's truly, I think it's truly, it's truly cool. It really is. And yeah, but now I'm nervous. Now I'm more nervous than I was at the start of the year. I'll admit to you. How are you feeling, by the way? So, look, hey, you, we don't know we're going to play Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, but there's a there's a pretty good chance we do. And it's hard to beat a team twice. You, you and I sure. both know that pretty well. So I, so now I'm more nervous than I was when when we were a bad football team. And that's a that's a good thing, I guess. Well, look, like it's man, it's been an incredible ride. Uh, it's been an incredible man, really a, a month, right? Like I going back to the Oregon state game, like they dropped that one and you're like, Oh man, like what's, what's going to happen like that? What's going to happen in November, but they've, man, they've just continued to get better. And I think that's kind of the thing to keep in mind here is that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of youth, a lot of guys that are just starting to, to hit game number nine, 10 and 11 in their careers. Right. And that's typically where you start to see the progress. Things really start to kind of um, just kind of settle in, you know, where their technique, their reads, everything just kind of settles in and you start reacting more and just starting to play more instead of thinking. And I think that's been noticeable in the deep on the defensive line with some of the freshmen that they have there. Um, the secondary, some of the guys that they have in the secondary have played really well. Cole Bishop. What, what is Tafuna. that? Cole Bishop, Steve, yeah. is amazing. Oh, he, wow. I, wow. Like that's, I mean, that's all I can muster to describe his play the last three weeks. Like I have no words. It's been remarkable. And Junior Tafuna, like Junior Tafuna is so exciting for me because he is just NF and athletic like I don't want to call him like an athletic marvel like he's not like Aaron Donald at the position you know but considering what Utah has had um at that position with big guys like Lucky Fotu was a great athlete for being six foot six 340 pounds but the way that Junior Tafuna is able to move um the quickness and burst that he has along that defensive line, you know, playing inside, that's, that's a big weapon for Utah's, for Utah's defense that I, I can't remember the last time that they've had a guy like that with so much just explosive power. Um, he's been a big playmaker for Utah on the interior of the defensive line. It's been really fun to watch him too. Um, you know, and then they've just really settled in on the offensive side of the ball. Like I think they've kind of found, who their guys are and they've just rolled with them. And it's been something that, you know, they've just kind of continued to play with a lot of confidence. They, they know who they are. They're really good at what they do. And, um, you know, and, and bam, bam, Alicini. Um, I mentioned this on our, on our boards um, at youthzone.com. Like bam has not only improved as a left tackle, but it's, it was really cool to see him, He's led the the team out of the tunnel the last few weeks. And to me, like, that may not mean much, but knowing Bam and just how he felt about football, you know, early on in his career and seeing him and 
having talked to him a couple weeks ago and hearing him talk about what it means to be a football player now, especially for, you know, the folks back home in England and what he represents. It's been just a, a, an incredible evolution for him, for Bama Lassini, um, because to be, to be quite frankly, he wasn't a guy that loved football just a couple years ago. He was, he played it because he was big and because he had fun just being physical and beating guys up. But now he like, he's embraced football and has embraced what it means to be good at his, you know, at what he does. And it's, it was, it's, it's been really cool to see that from him and he's played really well. Like you go back in that game and you watch some of the things that he did, like, yes, he had a lot of help and, and Utah had a great scheme to kind of, you know, minimize Kayvon Thibodeau's effect. But Bam had a couple of moments in pass pro where it was just him and him and Kayvon. And like, he, he did fairly well. He held his ground and and did just a remarkable job. And so his, his development has been crucial. So like going back to it, like there's a lot of things that contribute to the team's improvement over the last few, over the last month. And it's been, it's been really cool to see it all kind of come together. So sport has a, a lot of complexities to it. Um, yeah. And I think the story of Bam Olaseni is, is a pretty good example of that, Steve. He, um, he, he was a talented kid coming out of Duke. I mean, you know more than I, you know more yeah. than most, I should say. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, there was an Ohio State offer there. I've heard a story. He was in Coach Harding's office when I think Urban was still the coach back then, or maybe it was Day. But either way, he got a call from Urban uh, or from Ohio State, I should say, while on a trip to Utah. And, and so he was highly recruited. He was highly yep. sought after. He was... He, and, he, and he came into the Utah program with pretty high expectations as well from the fan base. And um, I think if, if we were to be perfectly brunt, uh, blunt and, and honest, it, it took him a while. You know, there was yeah. that, I think his first start was at Washington a year or so ago, a couple of years ago, where he came in. He, he didn't look great and he's played a little bit here and there. And he just, he, he's looked a little slow with his footwork. And, and now he's finally at a point where he's, where he's really found himself and, yeah, his confidence is thriving, and so what that tells me and teaches me, and hopefully teaches other people that are interested in similar stuff like this, is everybody is on their own journey, and everybody will take however long or short it takes them to find their own. And it's incredibly difficult, it's arguably impossible to pr- predict when somebody's going to find their form and confidence, and they mm-hmm. and they're going to go out of form and in form. And I think the Utah football team as a whole, you know, because at the start of the year, even when they were losing, Steve, we we always knew that they had talented football players on their team. It's not, it wasn't a lack of talent that they were they were they were struggling with. There was there was something else something exterior that was providing some sort of issue probably internally there was something going on a few things maybe just and it could be anything like maybe there was a a bit of beef in the locker room between two players and then that kind of like trickles its way out into the dining hall and you know just like there's this weird energy all of a sudden or a coach said something to a player that the players didn't approve. Like, who knows? We'll never know. And it doesn't matter. My point is they're, 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 they're really good now and they've figured yeah. it all out and they've gone through the adversity and they've fixed their issues and they've stuck together. And 
And now we're here with one game of the regular season to go. Uh, they've already clinched the Pac-12 South title. They're 24-point favourites over so-called arch-rivals Colorado Buffaloes. Um, we don't know who's going to come out on senior day yet, though, do we? That's, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a pretty interesting yeah. subject. What do you know about that, Steve? Yeah, so Kyle Whittingham mentioned on Monday at his press conference that obviously with, with senior day, you're going to honour the seniors and they're also going to honour the juniors that are planning to move on. And like, it's important to keep in mind that the COVID year, like a lot of these juniors would be seniors this year. Right. So like, that's, that's kind of the thing to keep in mind, but um, you know, he mentioned that they have 10 seniors, you know, that are, are just, they're done. Their eligibility is up and they have 10 seniors that will walk out uh, for senior day, but then they'll have, you know, five to seven guys, juniors that, you know, are, are likely to leave. Um Devin They'll Lloyd have, is obviously one of them. Yeah, Devin Lloyd for sure. Like he's he's certainly going to be one of them. I don't know if Britton Covey said that he w- he was going to be one. I think Nick Ford said that he's going to declare right. for the NFL draft. Um, you know, I would I would suspect that you know a guy like Mika Tafua, um, Cole Fotheringham. I think both of those guys are probably you know people that we can kind of expect to see. Um, walk on sat on Friday as well. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how many Wit said that they are planning on 15 to 17 guys total. So you're looking at five to seven juniors. Um, so yeah, that's certainly going to be something to watch. And obviously with those juniors, like this, they're they're erring on the side of caution where they would rather just honor them, you know, in the event that they don't come back, but they still have the option to come back. And so you know, that's certainly something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, no, it, um, it'll be fascinating to, uh, to try and figure out exactly what, what all happens. There's a lot of football to be played until, until we have to worry about that, I guess. You know, we've got Colorado, which, by the way, I, I, it's worth noting, Utah was favored by 24 points uh, two weeks ago when they went down to Tucson. They were only able to get a nine-point victory down there, or margin of nine points, I should say. So it was a bit closer than uh, we all were anticipating. Um so I, I, look, I still think Utah wins, obviously, yeah. but um, but you know, there, there's a lot that kind of goes in. Colorado is uh, they're an average team at best, I think, um, and Utah should have no issue. But look, Arizona's not a good team either, and they put up a fight. So who knows? It's college football. At the end of the day, they uh, Utah's coming off this ma- massive, massive home victory against the number then ranked number three Oregon Ducks. So they're probably riding that high still, I imagine. Um, and hopefully they can come back down to earth for uh, for this upcoming Saturday and, and get the job done against against Colorado. I, I thought about this last night. And by the way, before I move on, I, we, we do need to uh, congratulate Carl Wittigam. He became the all-time winningest head coach, for those that are unaware. 142nd victory, believe it or not. Truly remarkable. What a uh, what a career he's been able to have. He is uh, he's the yep. greatest. Shout out to Witt. Shout out to Kyle. He is the greatest. Head, uh, head football coach in Utah football. Head. Not even close uh, for me yeah. anyway. Um, and I know he doesn't have a ton of silverware. He hasn't won a Pac-12 title yet. But, boy, to be able to go from Mountain West to Group of Five into a Pac-12 and have really only two losing seasons and then win. Yeah. I mean, that is that is incredible. So um, worth noting, I, uh, for those that follow me on Twitter, I ruffled feathers. It was completely unintentional. I'm not going to go into it because it's not worth anybody's time. I apologize. It was one of those things where I tweeted, didn't think about it, shot the tweet off. Next thing I know, I'm getting hate. And uh, I didn't look at my notifications because I don't, 
I, I don't care. I love you all. I just don't care. I apologize. Um, it was unintentional. But needless to say, Carl Woodingham won his 142nd game, which is, uh, which is special. Against the number three team in the country. How yeah. ironic is that? Yeah. Just, just impressive, right? Like, just, uh, just an impressive win. Everything came together, right, in that game. Like, it's, it's just great representation of kind of, you know, this season, Witt's career. Like, he's just done a, a remarkable job. And I, I like you mentioned the transition from the Mountain West to the Pac-12, and that's that's like a difficult thing. Like I just, I still don't think people fully grasp just how difficult that is. And you know, yeah, there were only there were two losing seasons, but you know, it's been it's been remarkable to kind of see just the evolution of Kyle Whittingham over the years. Where you know he's still like I know we harp on the need of, of a more explosive passing game, but you know, where it was, you know, just defense, 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 special teams, special teams, special teams, you know, that was, if Utah didn't get those things, like they had no chance. Like now they've kind of evolved over the years where he's embraced more of an aggressive mindset, you know, with going for it on fourth down, going for it late in the half, those, those types of things, like little things, like, He'll, he's always going to be a defensive first guy. Like he's always going to be about the run game and that kind of stuff. And that's fine. Cause like, that's, you know, a lot of you, you're going to win a lot of games doing that. So, um, but it's just been, he's, he's adapted with the times he's embraced recruiting uh, and you have to, in order to have them as much success as Kyle Whittingham has had, like you can't be a dinosaur. You got to continue to adapt you got to continue to change with the times, and he's done a good job of that for sure. The, the recruiting side of thing, and by the way, Carl, Carl mentioned this prior to the Oregon game um, when he was asked about you know what makes Mario Cristobal at Oregon so so good. He said, "Well, to be honest, and, and the, the recruiting is what he said. He yep. said that they're just really good at recruiting, and and like it, they're they're more than sufficient coaches. And I think some right. people took it like as a, a bit of a jab, and I, I don't think he was meaning for it to come across no. that way at all." Uh, because at the end of the day, the heart and soul of any college football program is the recruiting side thing. You know what's so funny to me is um, is for how good Utah's been able to recruit. Kyle Whittingham's pretty introverted. Like he's not. Yeah. He's not like the sort of guy that like. Right. Goes out and is like lovey dovey like Coach Shaw and can review. He's like pretty introverted, and he's not an overly yeah. great. Um, a communicator, I guess, although that may come across wrong. It's not. He's just, he's introverted, I think. And yeah. so, but he's been yeah. able to recruit so well. I mean, I, I just, it's, it's one day, maybe, hopefully when he's retired, he'll kind of share secrets as to how that all came about. Because when you put it on paper, to me anyway, it doesn't make a, a ton of sense. The atmosphere, by the way, Steve, at Rice Eccles Stadium, you've got a couple, you've got a couple of programs. And I can't remember if we spoke about this last week or not, but you've got Rice Eccles, you've got Alton Stadium up there in Eugene, Oregon. They're really the two stadiums for me as of right now that when a recruit goes to, they must think, wow, I, I would love to play in this environment. Every other stadium you go to, whether it be Arizona State, UCLA, USC, even Washington now. And by the way, the Washington thing, while we're on it, like it was not that long ago. They were filling that place up under, under Peterson and it was pumping. And yeah. now, you know, like the grass ain't always greener. You look at, they, they, they've got like maybe 2,000 students in that section where they once yeah. had 20,000. So like it can flip pretty quickly, which I don't mean to scare you, Utah fans, but enjoy it while it's here because there will yeah. be a time at some point where it's not this good. So um, 
but yeah, I mean the 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 atmosphere. How many recruits and and how good of a recruit were at that game? Do you know, Steve? They had to have brought in some yeah. of the bigger recruits. I have to imagine. Yeah, no, it was it was definitely. Um, it wasn't just a big recruiting weekend. It was their biggest recruiting weekend that I can recall in quite some time. They had nine official visitors, and these are guys that they really really like. Um, and you know, so they had nine official visitors. They had six of their commits, um, one of which uh, has has since uh, decommitted since his official visit. And you can kind of read into that how how you want to. But decommitted from Utah. Decommitted from Utah, yeah. So Jeffrey Hugo was a safety that tripped out to Utah for the weekend. Um, in Utah, it was interesting because Utah brought in a lot of other defensive backs. Um, I think there were one, two, three, four, four defensive backs of the nine official visitors. Four of them, four or five, were um, defensive backs. So, uh, so, so you have that. Um, so you have you know a, a bunch of commits there. Nate Johnson, Lander Barton, Carson Tabarachi, all of those guys are there. Uh, then you've got just a host of uh, a considerably large number of unofficial visitors, guys from the classes of 2022, 23, 24. So future prospects that are there to take in the game. Um, all in all, like as best as I could count as, you know, as I'm there on the sidelines before the game, you know, they have the, the recruits there on the sideline so they can see things up close. Um, you know, as best as many guys as I could recognize, I counted 25 total visitors, um, which is a significant number. And it's awesome to see Utah have that kind of representation, that number of guys on um, on the sidelines for for a game. Uh, so it was it was a big deal. It was a big weekend. Uh, they've landed a, a commitment from one of their official visitors, Ryan Peppins, a wide receiver that was. Uh, formerly committed to Western Kentucky, uh, he's he's in the same mold of like a Britton Covey, where he's you know he f- he's five foot eight, uh, just kind of a, an explosive, quick, uh, elusive type of a, a slot receiver. You know he'll be able to um, contribute as a, as a punt returner. He's just got that elite acceleration. Um, so they picked up his commitment yesterday, and and they're doing. Uh, really, really well with the other eight official visitors that they brought in as well. So big recruiting weekend. Like you bring guys in for your big weekends. Their last big one was the Arizona State game. That's where Lander Barton, Carson Tabarachi, and and uh, both of whom have since committed. Um, and then also Dallas Vakalahi, uh, a defensive tackle out of West High School, was there at that one as well. So. They've done a really good job of capitalizing on these big games and big moments. And uh, it sounds like, uh, you know, they should continue to be able to, to do that moving forward. Yeah, I have to imagine that over the coming weeks, we'll, we'll start to see the effect of that Oregon game. But the, I mean, just think about it literally, will you? You, you know, you come to the Utah-Oregon game um, as a guest of Utah. The place is pumping. It's literally buzzing. Um, they win. It's pandemonium. And then next weekend you go to UCLA, uh, which is fine. The Rose Bowl's magnificent, but like the the atmosphere that like, doesn't even compare, and it doesn't even come close. And as a recruit, I mean, like, come on, just put two and two together. You want to play in front of the biggest crowds, in front of the best atmospheres, and uh, and Utah right now, you know, is in the argument for the 
but not only the best atmosphere in the in the conference, but but one of the best atmospheres nationwide for all I care. I mean, they they pack fifty two thousand ish now into it, and it feels like a hundred. I've played for what it's worth. I have played in front of a hundred and nine thousand people at the big house back in uh, twenty fourteen, I guess. Yeah, and I and I remember leaving that game, Steve, going. Like, really big crowd, don't get me wrong. Like, 109,000, a lot of bloody people around. But I remember being like, I, I feel like Rice Eccles sometimes is louder than what that was. You know, and so, so yeah. it's, 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 a, it's a taller stadium. It holds the sound in. And with that south end zone, it really encapsulates oh, man. the um, And, and the to your point, Tom, TJ Pledger, you know, he, he's coming here from – he came here from Oklahoma. So he's obviously played in some big games. He's played in playoff um, games, Steve. Yeah, playoff games, the Red River shootout. Like, you imagine what that is like. Um, you know, he's played in front of 100,000 before. So, And he said that Saturday night was the loudest he's ever had, you know, he's ever heard a crowd. Like, it's, it, was just, it was just remarkable. Uh, and it, it's, it's so much fun to talk about because you know, that place was rocking. And that South End Zone, man, like, it's, it's such a cool, cool thing now. Um, you know, seeing that thing on television, uh, it's it's like Utah is officially a big boy program now. It's awesome. <laughs> it, it, it really is. Um, all right, we've, we've been harping on this Oregon game, obviously, for obvious reasons. So, but there is a game this weekend, Steve. So the Cliff Notes version of the Buffaloes. What, what, what is it about the Buffaloes? If they're going to offer any sort of um, if they're any sort of fight, you know, what, what do they do well? on both sides of the ball, what are you, what are you kind of expecting from the bus? So here's the thing about Colorado. Like it, they're a lot like Arizona where, you know, maybe the talent level isn't, isn't there. Right. Um, they don't have a lot of elite guys, but they're, they're a program where they've got a lot of young guys that are starting to, you know, get that playing time. They're still playing with a lot of effort. Um, so over the last four games or so, they've really kind of come to life offensively. Still not playing great, but they're averaging 29 points per game over the last four games. So, you know, they're doing some good things. And um, quarterback Brendan Lewis is a freshman in his first year. Um, you know, he hasn't played great. He hasn't been efficient, but he's done a good job of taking care of the ball. And I think that's kind of something that um, has helped them. They haven't had the same type of success that they did last year with their run game where Jarek Broussard was, you know, leading the conference in rushing yards. Um, Broussard hasn't had quite the same, um, you know, impact this season. And it's largely because of the lackluster play up front for Colorado. They haven't been really good. They've improved over the last few weeks as well. So, um, you know, offensively, I think this is a, a Colorado team that's, done good things they're trending in the right in the right way they still they didn't look great last week against washington the offense just wasn't able to sustain much um you know and the defense is just the defense is weird man the defense i don't know what to make of it nathan landman hasn't played for four four games and since you know and in his absence the defense is really just kind of tailed off um you know so it's it's going to be interesting. I'm not sure what to expect. They did have a really good performance against Washington on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I shouldn't say really good, but it was, you know, they held Washington to like 17 points, I think is what it was. Uh, they created a, uh, they took advantage of a couple 
you know, um, turnovers. And so, you know, I, I think Colorado coming into this one, they're hoping to kind of put it all together in the same way that Utah did last week against Oregon. Um, but just, you know, there's, it's just a lot of disjointed successes where, you know, Brandon Lewis will have, you know, a couple nice throws, one game, he'll have a good stat line, three touchdowns, I think is what he threw for against Oregon state, you know, and then they'll have, then he's, you know, completing 55% of his passes against UCLA. So, you know, I don't know what to expect. I think this is a game for Utah where, um, you know, obviously coming off the high of last week with it being senior day, there's, there's a lot of pride with this team for, for Utah to send the seniors out, you know, the right way typically. Um, and so I, I do think that they're, I think they're going to win and I think they'll win comfortably. You know, the current spread, as you've talked about, Tom is like 24 points, you know, Utah's favored by 24, 23, depending on where you look. I don't think Utah covers, uh, but I think, you know, like I said, I think they, they, they win pretty comfortably. I've got it something like 35 to 20, where I think Colorado scores a couple, couple easy ones. Um, and I think Utah just, they're focused on kind of shortening this game yeah. um, and, and just getting out of it and getting on to next week. Yeah. Well, that, that's what's so weird about it. I think, I think they don't, I, I don't think they're going to cover either because, the, and this is such a weird place to be for, for coaches because you want to tell your guys to play hard and, you know, go out and, Right. Put as many points on the board as you can, but at the same time, you, you want to protect them. You know, like yes. the worst case, the worst thing that could possibly ever happen is Cam Rising re-injures the shoulder, you know, against a Colorado team where if they lose, it doesn't matter. They're going to the Pac-12 champion, you know, like, or Devin Lloyd suffers a, an injury that takes him out of the Pac-12 tie. Like that, is, that cannot happen at all. So I, I am, I am curious to see how they handle that. And, you know, maybe, maybe if they can, get up big in the first half, they, they just take all those guys out for the second yep. half and, and, and let the backups kind of go in and do their thing and, and give the, um, give the other players or the other starters, I should say some, some rest. So, um, well, it's a two o'clock Friday kick, Steve. What a yeah, game. A weird one. Um, that is a strange, I might go to that. Um, 47, high of 47, low of 26. Got to imagine it'll be buzzing around 47 around kickoff. So yeah, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll put the old coat on and strap the gloves up, and away we go. Um, what is the channel, Steve? Where, where can we watch if you're not if you're not going to the game? I haven't even looked. Oh uh, shoot, I haven't looked either. Yeah, well, you you probably don't have to because you're going to the game. But uh, well, anyway, we'll figure it out. Let, let me let me quickly uh, go on to the old castlesports.com and see if we've got here Box. we go. 2 p.m. on Fox. Fox. Nice work. And by the way, BYU's playing USC, so that's, a, that's an interesting game to also keep oh, yeah. keep an eye on. That's uh, November 27th, Saturday, 8.30 p.m. Utah fans, if you want to watch USC stink um, for maybe one last time in, in 2021 before they hire a, a coach and try and turn it around, you can do so as they take on uh, BYU. So, Steve, uh, I guess we'll end on a negative because we're good at doing this. Peter Castelli has departed the program from a Mission Viejo. Quarterback, four-star prospect out there in uh, Southern California has decided to take his talents elsewhere. Do you have any, do you have any insight? As to, I mean, I think it's pretty pretty obvious as to why he's deciding to do this. But Yeah, I mean, it's it pretty pretty obvious, and, it, and there's nothing more to it really than that. It was I do know that it was a difficult decision for Peter and for, you know, his, his family to, to enter the transfer portal. 
Um, but really when you look at it, uh, you know, Cameron rising, he's had a great season. He's going to be here next year. He's entrenched as the starter. You've got Quinn Jackson, who's, you know, a great number two behind Cameron rising. Um, he's set to come back next year. And then you bring in two really talented freshmen in this, this class that there's a lot of excitement about, where you've got Brandon Rose at a Marietta Valley, who's a high three-star uh, quarterback, uh, really prolific passer. I think he threw for over 4,000 yards this year, uh, but, you know, really productive. He's going to be an early enrollee. Um, so, you know, he'll be here January. And then you've got Nate Johnson, the four-star quarterback that everybody is really, really excited about. He's been, you know, a big presence on in Utah's recruiting efforts. Um, and that's that's always a, a big, big bonus when you can get a quarterback like that that has that kind of sway and and pull with recruits. But, you know, he's an exciting talent where, you know, maybe he needs a year or two in the program, but there's a lot of optimism about his potential. Um, and he'll be here in the summer. He won't be an early enrollee, but he'll be here in the summer. And so, you know, unfortunately, like the writing was on the wall for somebody. And unfortunately, it was Peter Costelli that saw the writing um, and, and elected to, you know, enter the portal and, and, uh, and he'll look for an opportunity elsewhere where he can, um, you know, he's got a, a path to the field in the relative near future. So, you know, Utah's still really, really good, really, they're situated really well at quarterback, you know, next season and beyond. Um, so it's, you know, they're still, they're still in good shape there. Yeah, this is probably more of a, an off-season subject, but the transfer portal and how it's revolutionized the game in such a short amount of time, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a very, very interesting conversation um, because the game is changing and the transfer portal is playing a big, big role. Um, yeah. and, and, and look, uh, like you said, Cam Rising being a sophomore certainly doesn't help, you know, Costelli and, and uh, his decision to, to potentially stick around Utah. So we wish him all the best. Um, he's a talented kid. Uh, I don't know him personally. I'm sure you've had more conversations with him than I have, Steve, but I'm sure he's Genuine, uh, nice. I'm sure he'll land on his feet somewhere, and hopefully he's he has success wherever he goes. I also hope this, by the way, and I entered my mind as you were talking, but I truly hope next year um, we enter full camp without a quarterback battle. Like, let's yeah. just end that conversation now. Yeah, so let's just, uh, yeah. it's Cam Rising's job. Yeah, and uh, that's all there is to it. And I would love, by the way, for Carl Winningham to just come out and say that, uh, as opposed yeah. to having to put us all through the misery of trying to figure out. Anyway, that, uh, that's probably another conversation for another time. But it entered my head, so I thought I'd share it, which doesn't often do me any good. Uh, he's Steve Bartle. Check him out on Twitter at sbartle247. I'm Tom Hackett at Tom Can't Hack it, Utah.com, seven-day free trial for all you Utah football fanatics. Or KSLSports.com. Hey, wait, Subaru is our sponsor. This would not be possible without them. 1207 South Main Street. Please go ahead and say day to them. They're our good friends. Until next week, we say so long. Goodbye. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Steve, and to all of our wonderful listeners. We love and appreciate you. And uh, enjoy family time. It's needed. Stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. 
Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.